You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church. Merry, Merry Christmas. We're going to have a good morning this morning. Uh, this morning, as we get going, uh, I want to remind you about Christmas Eve services that are coming up. And just the other day, I was in uh, the barbershop over here, uh, V's Barbershop, and it's a, it's a good barbershop. You know, I try to make uh, use of all the wonderful uh, shops here at Norterra, and we've befriended a lot of these shops, uh, befriended even the Harkins uh, community here. And uh, we, my son and I go on a regular basis to go get our hair cut, thankfully, at least once a month. So um, I think they do a good job. You know, Leslie, Leslie would say so. She thinks so too. But uh, they're, uh, that, that whole crew there is a, a group of folks that are uh, Russian Jews. And I've befriended those guys over the years. And, uh, you know, I invited them on Christmas Eve. And I was, as, a, as I was walking in, and, you know, we have a relationship with these guys. And anytime anything goes on in their personal life or whatever, oftentimes they'll let me know and ask me to pray for them. And so I've, I kind of see myself as whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, some kind of spiritual guidance or care for that little barbershop and those guys and those gals there. And so, you know, being Christmas Eve, we've asked all of you to invite friends and stuff. And so uh, we do the same thing. It's a really important time where we get to share about Jesus. And so I walk in with my son and we're sitting down in the back and the guys hadn't seen me in a while. And I, I started growing a beard out because uh, I told I told uh, Jonathan, I said, Jonathan, we need a visual motivation to make sure we're moving really quick to get on our campus. So I'm going to grow a beard until we get on site and I'm not shaving it. So it's like a partial Nazarite vow or something, you know? So Jonathan's like, okay, that's probably not a good idea, but okay, you can do this. So here I am with this beard. I go into the barbershop, go sit down and I'm sitting on the side and, um, Guy, guy uh, says, okay, you're up. And he turns around and goes, oh my goodness, Ryan, you look like my rabbi. <laughs> I was like, well, I've been called worse, you know, I recently called uh, Al-Qaeda and then uh, Abraham Lincoln. And then so I was like, okay, rabbi will work for today. Um, you know, I, I, I want to encourage you. Uh, then he turned around and said, well, hey, you know, what's, what's going on? Are you guys getting on your site yet on your campus? I said, well, we're working on it. He said, well, we'll be there for the grand opening. And I said, good. And tell Elena and tell the rest of the crew that, you know, we're, we're, we're getting closer. We're about to get our permits approved. And pray with us on that. And uh, he said, uh, okay. And I said, but Christmas Eve's coming. I want to encourage you to be at our Christmas Eve services. He says, I'm Jewish, Ryan. I was like, yeah, I know you're Jewish. I, I worship a Jewish Lord, you know. So a uh, Jewish Messiah, I worship Jesus. He's Jewish. And he said, okay, well, yeah, yeah, we'll come. But prob- I mean, you're not going to be like blaming all the Jews for the crucifixion on that day, will you? I said, no, 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 that's Good Friday, man. I said, <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay, okay. I said, by the way, the Jews just didn't do it. It was the Gentiles too. It was every one of us. It's our sin upon him. And uh, I said, so, but I, yeah, I'd love you to come. And uh, he said, okay, well, I'll tell the, I'll tell the staff. I want to encourage you to remember the importance of Christmas that God used you, he has in your life people that you interact with. Slow down, slow down in Christmas and and remember the real story and the joy of Christmas is not just for us, it's for everyone. 
And that's exactly what the angel is going to tell Joseph this morning, is that this news of great joy will be for all people. And so this morning, before we get started into our message, I want to tell you about the, the, how to give you a good news report about uh, what, we're, what we're, we are doing here at North Valley to share and show the love of Christ, not only locally, but globally. Um, on Christmas Eve, we're going to have this thing called the Hope Offering, and 100% of all of our giving um, goes towards uh, helping fuel local and global mission initiatives. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you an update and highlight uh, some of our initiatives over the years and highlight the ones that we'll be focusing on in this coming year. This hope offering is to fuel uh, community outreach, mission trips, summer camps, church planting, and you probably got my letter. I sent it out in the mail this last week. And today, before we get started, I want to highlight some of those. One of the most uh, impactful uh, hope uh, initiatives that we took on was uh, helping eradicate food insecurity in homes. In the, when we first showed up in the Phoenix Valley, I met with the governor and asked her the top initiatives and the top needs of our Phoenix Valley. And uh, she said at the time, uh, it was food insecurity. That means kids don't have enough food to make it through the work for the work weeks because there's a lot of poverty. In the Deer Valley Unified School District, uh, we did a campaign through your hope offering and through your generous giving. We fed over 2,000 children. And through Deer Valley Unified School District, that was 10,000 pounds of food. When you give towards the hope offering, it does these kind of things. We partnered with four local schools here in the DVUSD district uh, and one nearby apartment community. Um, additionally, when you give towards the hope offering, it enables us to do things like this. We did an anti-bullying campaign where we had a hip hop group come into a, a local school that was troubled with bullying. And, uh, it was a, it was a bad situation where the educational performance was dropping. It was becoming the kind of school where we heard stories of little kids like wetting their pants before they'd go to school because they were terrified of the bullies. And the teachers were, couldn't teach in an environment where there's such hostility and bullying going on. So we met with the principal and we launched an initiative uh, here in Deer Valley. And we had 900 kids sign a pledge and a petition to end bullying in that school. Um, that was through your Hope Offering initiative that we've been able to do these kinds of things. It changed the culture of that school tremendously. Additionally, we built a 9-11 memorial cross that served as a symbol of faith, hope, and love to the 91,000 people that will drive by our future campus. Uh, that will be erected once we finalize all of our campus development projects and get on site. You'll see that coming. Uh, we had it here at uh, Harkins uh, uh, Norterra Shopping Center, and uh, more than five Arizona businesses contributed to this project simply because they believed it was a good idea and a good message to share about faith, hope, and love to the North Valley. We received statewide TV coverage uh, in our support and to honor first responders during the 9-11 uh, timeframe. And here's the deal. Your hope offering it is a catalyst for these kinds of projects. It's to share and show the love of Christ, not only to our community at large, but to the world. Additionally, locally, we, you, the Hope Offering fuels initiatives like Big Days, we call them, where we did fall kickoff and we do a Christmas Eve service, Easter or Mother's Day. These are what we call Big Days for the life of a church. 
Um, during our Easter event last year, we had more than um, 500 people that were a part of our Easter event and services that day. Uh, most of these people um, had heard about the church through you, uh, but also just through our public presence in the community. You know, it's been fun to see how God's using this church to make a big impact. Um, results for, you know, where we're at as a church, uh, you're, when you give towards a hope offering, it's helping change uh, people's lives spiritually uh, for eternity. You know, for church growth, they say that 5%, uh, if your church grows by 5%, that's considered fair growth. If it grows by 8%, that's considered good. If it grows by 10%, that's really strong growth. 15% church growth is considered excellent. Well, North Valley has grown by over 34%. That's kind of extraordinary church growth. Um, currently, we're projecting that uh, the church will grow by about 40% by the year end. Um, the church has gone to two services this fall with over 400 people that call North Valley home. There's been 270 people that have completed Christ-centered education in our classes. We've seen over 100 salvations in this church. We've seen 70 baptisms and nearly half of our people that call North Valley home on a regular basis and attend the services are in neighborhood groups. We've seen marriages restored and reconciled. We've seen children fostered and adopted in this church. This church is making a big impact. And when you give towards the hope offering, it does this kind of thing. We see young men and women placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And your giving helps fuel all of our outreach initiatives locally and globally. I mean, here's the kind of the community's response. Deer, Deer Valley Unified School District said uh, this about us, that uh, we were the partner of the year, uh, the best uh, nonprofit business, we'll take that, uh, community partner of the year. Uh, media, newspapers, magazines, TV outlets, and websites have uh, done stories for us pro bono just because they think that our message is good. We've been recognized by the Arizona, Arizona's governor, Jan Brewer. We've been recognized by the Phoenix Police Department or Phoenix Fire Department and recognized and supported by numerous churches because of our impact in the community. Uh, many people see North Valley as a church that's going to shape and the future and the culture of North, the Phoenix North Valley. You know, uh, Pastor Don Wilson is a church leader in the area, and recently I've met with him, and he uh, knew that we were having some permit problems, and this is the largest church in Arizona, and he said, how can I help? And I said, we need knowledge. Uh, you know, we need help. Uh, you know, Pastor Jonathan and I are new church planners, and, you know, any support you could give us. He gave us his top guy who has installed all their campuses around the valley. He gave us the guy that helped build and serve as the project manager for every single project CCV has done and said, we want to dedicate him to help North Valley so that you guys can establish your church there in the North Valley. We had a church like Rock Point give us ten, fifteen thousand dollars worth of equipment. We've had churches like Scottsdale Bible give us incredible financial beginnings to help us get going. God's at work in this church, and it's a privilege for me to be a part of this. It's a privilege for me to interact with you. I love people more more than anything. I love people and I love Jesus. And I think our message is getting out and I'm real excited about the hope offering because it fuels our local and global impact. Let me share with you a few more. For our mission trips, last year we sent a team to the Dominican Republic you know, to share and show the love of Christ to more than 200 kids that are impoverished or orphaned. 
These are kids that need hope the most. When you give towards the hope offering, it expands our influence, not only locally, but globally. Okay, like we can't ever give up on mission. The reason why we're here worshiping here today is because somebody prioritized mission. Somebody shared with you about the good news of Jesus Christ and that's how you got here. Mission was happening. And so mission is critical for us. We'll never stop doing it. Even in the midst of a campaign and starting up new projects and buildings, we're never gonna, we're never gonna waver on our emphasis on helping share and show the love of Jesus Christ locally and globally. Um, you know, this is a picture of a young little boy my wife uh, has uh, sponsored. His name is Jeffrey, and Jeffrey is an impoverished kid who uh, barely has, uh, he lives basically like in a shack, and uh, the, the, he's representative of hundreds of kids in the Dominican Republic. And uh, my wife uh, sent me a text message while she was in the DR. I was back in Phoenix, and I had that ice cream party. You guys remember that? There's a hundred plus people in my house. Good thing Leslie was out of town that, that day. Um, I told her ahead of time and then she was like texting me and she said, uh, you know, is the house burned down? I'm like, not yet, but uh, we're having fun. Um, she sent me this text message about Jeffrey and she said, do you think we could sponsor him? And I said, I mean, my response is, yeah. I mean, how are we gonna make it work financially? We'll make it work. Uh, Jeffrey's a little boy. He uh, speaks Spanish, and most everybody in the DR does. And uh, when, when you go over to the Dominican Republic, you get the opportunity to connect with the kids that need hope the most. When you give towards the hope offering, you're sending leaders so that they, we can bring more people and bring more hope, the hope of Jesus Christ to share and show the love of Christ to kids like Jeffrey. Um, Jeffrey wrote us a letter back and we were, he had gotten into an accident uh, somehow on the playground or did something at his school and uh, he shared with us a little update. He says, I just want to let you know, that, uh, we asked about his favorite Bible story and he said, my favorite Bible story is about Samson and his strength. Uh, Jeffrey's in a position where he is bombarded with uh, discouragement and hopelessness. Sees a lot of kids never get a chance to, to continue on in their education. And his favorite Bible story is about Samson and his strength. He says, uh, dear sponsor, I want you to know that I've already recovered from my knee injury and I'm already playing with my siblings, my brothers and sisters. Now he wrote it in Spanish, but we had it translated. He says, please pray for my mom that she could continue in her college and education. Um, we're planning on sending another trip to the mission uh, field in the Dominican Republic. And there's a lot more Jeffreys out there. There's a lot of kids around the world that need hope. And when we intervene and we say, we're with you, we'll pray for you. Every night, my little daughter, Riley and Leslie get together. They're practicing Spanish and we pray for Jeffrey. There's a lot of Jeffreys. This world needs churches like this to be able to share and show the love of Christ locally and globally. Kids summer camp, when you give to the hope offering, it helps send kids to camp. Camps change kids' lives. They're key events, key windows into the life of the soul, of the heart, and the home of a child to be able to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Last year, we sent our very first camp. We want to continue to do that. When you give towards the hope offering, you help do simple things like help us to secure a deposit or scholarship a kid to make sure that we can send kids each summer. 
We do that here in Prescott, Arizona. UCYC is a great camp. Additionally, we do things like we partner with churches to help start new churches. We partnered with a church down in Los Angeles, over in Los Angeles. Uh, last year, we sent a team from this church. We were supposed to go do a, a VBS, ended up in the middle of a Black Lives Matters uh, movement and protest, and they changed all their plans and just ministered in the moment. It was really cool to see what God's doing. Uh, Pastor Tommy there in Los Angeles, a church plant called Epiphany. We would like to send another team there if our hope offering goes well, back to support him and his church. Uh, additionally, we're working on uh, helping plant more churches in unreached people groups of the world, the 1040 window. That's the, the place in the world where Christ is unknown. Unreached means they've never heard about Jesus. And in Nepal right now, we made an effort to help plant two new churches there uh, over the last few years. And last year, our hope offering was so enormous. We had over $30,000 given that we were able to help plant not two churches in India or Nepal, but 10. And so many of these people that are coming to faith in Christ are uh, young girls and young men and women. Many of the girls are um, in, uh, have previously been uh, tricked or trapped into the sex trade in brought, they were kind of like pimps and, and drug lords go up into the mountains of Nepal, talk these poor families into lending their daughter to come work in the big city to earn a lot of money with a really nice job but they don't tell them that they're gonna put them into sex trade and they get them hooked on heroin and then these kids are trapped and they never get to go back to their home. And so this uh, church planning network that we've uh, partnered with is called the Timothy Initiative. They're reaching these young girls and the drug lords, the pimps, the prostitutes, the drug dealers, and many Buddhist, formerly Buddhists and Hindus uh, and they're coming to faith in Christ, never heard about Jesus. And so uh, this, there's, you can go on our website and see the stories of the videos uh, in the coming weeks ahead for all of our initiatives there. But I'm planning on going in September and I ask that you come with me, those of you that would be able to carve out that amount of time. It will be a 10 to 15 day trip. Um, we can't stop sharing hope. Worship exists because mission came first. We worship because there's somebody reached us. And we must continue to do mission work around the world. So I want to encourage you as you prepare for Christmas Eve, I'd encourage you just to think through with your family, hey, what's something above and beyond our regular giving that we could contribute? That'll determine the scope and the amount of mission work that we can do. 100% of what happens on Christmas Eve goes towards this hope offering. So can we celebrate what God's been doing in the life of this church for just a moment? I'm excited. I'm excited about what God's doing here in this church. And uh, this morning, we're going to have a, a great opportunity to really uh, just slow down and, and catch up on the Christmas story and see what God's been doing and how he's interacted with people calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that's exactly the life of the shepherd. Very ordinary. Very unexpected event takes place just in the back country of Bethlehem where the angels show up and say, I've got good news for you. God chooses them, the most unlikely, unworthy people to be the bearers of good news. And so let, let's do this. Let's go ahead and stand together for the reading of God's word. And then I'm going to work through the text here this morning. 
Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20, and it says this, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around him. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was in the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told him. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord, amen? You may be seated. Heavenly Father, thank you for the glory and the story of Christ and Christmas. Thank you for the ordinary people that you choose to do extraordinary things. We pray, God, that we can see ourselves in light of that. You're the high king of heaven and you have chosen to love, befriend us and choose your church to be a vessel to share good news. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Understanding the shepherd's life. This morning, as we dive into the text, we see things like these shepherds. These are ordinary people that God uses to, for an extraordinary announcement. You know, in the Bible, you know, uh, there's a guy by the name of Job that's mentioned earlier in the Old Testament, and Job was said to have thousands of sheep. He was a very, very wealthy businessman in Israel. And all throughout kind of the biblical uh, storyline, as you read the Bible, you'll see sheep and shepherds, and, and that's just kind of part of the life of uh, the, middle, uh, the Mediterranean area, Judea, Israel, Jerusalem, all that, and Bethlehem. This morning, as we come to the text, you, you, I want to just share with you, these shepherds are guys that are oftentimes working alone. They're often overworked, underpaid. They work in remote areas, and they are oftentimes thought of as unclean because they're constantly working with livestock. And so socially speaking, these shepherds are people that are kind of like, not necessarily outcast, but pretty close. They're the people that work the graveyard shift. Like you go into Walmart at 2 a.m. and you're like, whoa, you need some coffee, bro. They just look tired, exhausted. It's graveyard shift. Oftentimes these shepherds did that. They didn't always have the greatest reputations either because oftentimes what would happen is that uh, shepherds, because they didn't have a lot of money, they were, it's not like you, you didn't even need to pass the third grade to be a shepherd. Uh, you didn't need a college degree. You didn't, you didn't need hardly anything. You just needed to be able to keep watch over the sheep. And so they were oftentimes kind of people that are on the outskirts. You know, um, this is a big deal though. In, in, in years past, you know, shepherding is a big deal. And, you know, Jesus even called himself the good shepherd, right? 
And you see people like historical figures in the Bible, like King David, he's the youngest son and he was a shepherd boy. And so this role of shepherd is a reality that's, that's in the Bible as a strong narrative. And this morning, as we look at the text, we see that these shepherds are the ones chosen to, share, to receive the good news about Jesus's birth. And they're given a mission and they go out and share. They're said by many scholars to be like the first evangelist or the first witnesses or the first missionaries, if you will. But the role of a shepherd is really important. I remember in Spain, I was um, teaching a uh, message to some uh, youth camp years ago in the mountains of Spain in Pamplona. And I was told that there were shepherds in the area and I wanted to illustrate that. So I said to the, the camp director, I said, do you think, I'm gonna be teaching on Jesus as the good shepherd. Do you think there's a local shepherd nearby and he could bring up maybe a sheep or two, you know, on the back of a truck? And the camp director said, yeah, I think I could arrange that. So here I, he's, he didn't tell me anything else besides I think I could arrange it. So I'm teaching on the hillside with these kids and they're all around me and I'm teaching about the good shepherd. And then all of a sudden I hear something coming and I was expecting maybe a shepherd and one or two sheep, but look what came up. It was like a whole, I mean, there's a huge a flock of sheep coming up the hillside and here's this shepherd. Uh, and we talked to the guy and he explained that his role was to be a caretaker, to take care. Here's what the point is I want you to see is that we can relate to the shepherds as caretakers. Many of you, you, have, you, you, need, you take responsibility over your child. You're a caretaker, even till they're, they're, if they're in college or wherever they're at right now, you're a caretaker. If you have an elderly family, you're a caretaker. If you have grandchildren, you're like a caretaker to them. Um, and we all have a mission field with people in need of care. You know, the North Valley is our mission field. That's our field. We can all relate to these shepherds because God's put us in a position where we're to help people navigate through life at some level or another. Could be an older brother or a younger brother, younger sister, struggling friend, struggling neighbor, whatever be the case. God's put you in a position. And so the story of the shepherds is ordinary people doing extraordinary kind of work. Five observations of the shepherd. Number one, shepherds keep watch. Bible says that they were in this region right outside of Bethlehem, out in the field, likely at night, and they're keeping watch over their flock by night. Here's what they would do. They would lead them, feed them, protect them, and gather them. Leading them, oftentimes, they would need to go in front of the sheep to help navigate them. You know, so a sheep, a sheep could easily get off course and go into a rushing stream and get swept downstream, fill up like a big cotton ball, just flow downstream. Literally, that's what they do. Uh, sheep are said to be some of the, the most dumbest creatures in the world. And so you, shepherds are really important to them. Shepherds also have dogs a lot of times. They would use dogs even back in, in the ancient uh, kind of uh, Bible times is uh, dogs were, were used to, to lead them. A shepherd would feed them and take them to pastures that were their green. They would need to rotate them and, and rotate fields. Uh, they're going to different locations, protecting them from wolves, protecting them from lions, protecting them from um, uh, hyenas were in that time frame as well. And so the shepherd's role was to protect them. They would carry a staff, which they could guide, and they could also whack a wolf. And so they would also have a slingshot. Uh, they would use a sling and a, and a rock to help drive out wolves. And in fact, that's very much the story of David's journey as a young shepherd boy. He learned how to fend off and uh, overcome uh, lions and wolves. And then later in life, he's going to face Goliath. Uh, 
They would also gather them when they would go off astray. And here's the reality for us as a church, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a mother, a father, a uh, older brother, older sister, as a neighbor, there are people that need your care. And you need to do these kind of things. You'll be called to lead them, to help guide them in the right direction. You'll be asked to feed them, show them where they can they can grow and the nutrients that they can find in God's word and the truth that is found there. You will be a protector. Even you high school kids, you need to understand these shepherd boys and girls, they were younger people oftentimes in charge of that. Look at the life of David. He was a young shepherd boy. Shepherds keep watch. We need to be shepherds. Number two, shepherds have fears. They're normal people just like me, just like you. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. They freaked out. Why? Because it was unknown and unheard of for an angel of the Lord to show up. In fact, this is kind of like been described as God's glory in powerful lights showing up in some backcountry graveyard shift for young shepherds and shepherd is back in the back country of Bethlehem. This powerful light comes on and it's the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. They have fear because there's a fear of the unknown. In life, you're gonna have unknowns. You're gonna see God show up in extraordinary ways, do things that you don't expect, you don't understand. And there's the fear of the unknown. There's a fear of also being unworthy. These shepherds felt like they were unworthy to receive this good news. They're afraid because they can't believe it. They're ordinary people and they're considered unclean by many outcasts and they feel unworthy. As a Christian, there's a lot of times in life where you can wake up and you hear this voice of shame or discouragement come on early in the day or even late at night. And you find yourself and you ask questions like, God, do you, could you really use me? Could you really forgive me and still love me even though I keep falling into these hurtful and harmful patterns? Is your love great enough to forgive me of all that? And there's this fear that we all wrestle with. And this morning, what I'm trying to help you see is that you're like that shepherd. You got fears and they had fears. God still called you to use you in an ordinary person to do extraordinary kind of things. And your fear is that God's uh, that you're unworthy is a lie. The Bible says that Christ is enough. His sacrifice was once for all sins, the past sins, the present sins, the future sins. And when we come together in communion, we're claiming the worthiness of Christ, that he loves us, that he forgives us, that his grace is good. And in the shepherd story, we see God's grace and his glory coming down and working with ordinary people. And so here, we, only, we can identify and connect with the shepherds. They have fears, we have fears. They have the fear of the unknown, we have the fear of the unknown. We have fears of being unworthy at times, and we need to claim the sufficiency and the greatness of Christ that he's enough. Number three, the shepherds receive good news. They receive good news. It says, and the angel said to them, fear not. So he tells them, you don't have to freak out. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is good? Why is this good news? Three reasons. Because it results in joy. 
this joy is an eternal joy. This isn't just joy or happiness that comes through just a regular gift exchange or something like that. This is a deep sense of happiness that's rooted in holiness in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. There's this joy because they feel extra privilege that all of a sudden this incredible angelic announcement could show up. Like, I can't imagine what the shepherds would be like. Like, can you believe that? The angel showed up to us? Like, why didn't they go to Jerusalem into the temple? Or why didn't they go to Rome into the palaces there in Rome to Caesar? But no, the angelic announcements of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the true King of all the world shows up to the shepherds. Joy. Joy is a result of good news. When you, hear, when you first heard the good news that God loves you, that God forgives your sins, that God paid for your sins in Christ, and that no matter what you do in life, he's been paid for that, and you have a forgiveness, and you have hope, and you have a friendship with God, and you have the Holy Spirit. There's this joy that begins to rise up, and these Good news here resulted in joy. It also, it, it is for everyone. Look what it says. It will be for all the people, not just for ethnic Israel, but for all people who would receive Christ as their Lord. This message is why it's important for the hope offering to take place and for us to keep moving out because the message of Christ in Christmas, in his life, and the hope and the glory of his story is the real story that's got to get out throughout the whole world. And so it is for everyone. It's also the promised Messiah. They'd been long awaiting the Messiah. You know, when I talk to my Jewish friends, I remind them, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed to believe that Christianity is true because of the historical nature of Christ. They long and they wait for their Messiah. And Jesus was not him to the Orthodox Jew today. There are Messianic Jews which believe that Jesus is the Messiah and they still carry on in a lot of the traditions of Judaism, but they uphold Jesus as the Messiah. Finally, here in the text, we see the promise of the Messiah is fulfilled. It is a 500-year-old promise. The shepherds would have heard from maybe their grandparents or maybe somebody else in the village that would be teaching Bible lessons or something about the, from the prophet Micah that the Savior was going to be born in Bethlehem. And that story had been told for 500 years. Or Isaiah, they would have heard from Isaiah's message that the prophet had said from Isaiah that this Savior would be born from a virgin. And so it's fulfilled. So that ancient saying was fulfilled and it is good news because they sense and they see God is a promise maker and he is a promise keeper and we got to witness this. Shepherds receive good news, we receive good news. Number four, shepherds serve as a witness. Verse 17 says, and when they saw it, what did they see? Well, they went back to Bethlehem to see the signs. The signs were is that you're gonna find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. So they saw it. They just saw with their eyes this incredible event. That's what makes them a witness. Anytime you're a witness, you just see something. So you could get in a car accident or whatever, and you know the police will show up and they ask, was there any witnesses? Did anybody else see this? And if there are, they, what do they do? 
It doesn't matter what their education is. It doesn't matter whether they've been to, you know, uh, school or, you know, in civil safety. No, it doesn't matter. It matters is, did you see it? Were you there? And these guys are witnesses. And when the shepherds saw it, they, look, look what they did. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, had told them. And so here's what we see, being a witness. What does that mean? It means simply sharing what you've seen God do. That's exactly what these shepherds do. That's our role as Christians, that we simply share what we've seen God do. You've seen him answer prayer, share about that. You've seen him reconcile a marriage, share about that. You've seen him work in the life of this church, share about that. You've seen somebody get baptized and profess Jesus Christ as Lord. The guy you knew in the past was a hard-hearted, mean guy and his heart's beginning to change, soften, and he's loving people and loving his family and leading his family. In a new. Share about that. Share about what you've seen God do. Be a witness. Shepherds are witnesses. They share not based on all their educational uh, uh, accomplishments. They share what they've seen God do. Teenagers can do this, kids can do this, moms can do this, dads can do this, businessmen can do this, university grads, dropouts can do this. It doesn't matter. Matter is, have you seen God do something? Would you share it? Because that story is worth telling from generation to generation to generation. Number five, shepherds give God glory and praise. This is what they do. Literally, that idea there means simply this, is to give glory to God, verbally express one thanks to God. God, thank you for showing up. Thank you for choosing me is what the shepherds are saying. You could have chosen anybody, but you're gonna choose the ordinary and the unknown, the obscure, to reveal to us this great story. They're giving glory to God. They're praising him with their mouth. They're praising them with their lips. And the shepherds returned back to their friends, back to their families, back to their neighbors, back to their work, you know, the other shepherds in the community. And they're glorifying and they're praising God for all they had heard and seen. You'll say, you never guess what happened. The Bible says that an angel showed up and began to speak to them in an extraordinary way. They began, I don't know what an angel's voice sounds like, but I bet it sounds cool. And then it says right beside that, after that, this, this entire multitude of heavenly hosts, and many scholars believe no less than 12,000 heavenly hosts are saying, glory to God in the highest. Imagine what that, an entire, you, you've been to a Cardinal Stadium, if you've been here recently, oh, the last one, it was a good game. It was a good game. You've been to a Cardinal Stadium, there's thousands of people and you can hear them cheering, you can hear them announcing. And I was sitting in a stadium just a few weeks ago and I thought 12,000 plus angels shouting glory to God in the highest. For who? Some random shepherd boy? God's grace is extraordinary. He goes way out of his way to illustrate in human history that God's after that kid, that, that, that girl, that boy that man, that woman, to show up and show off his grace. God's good. Don't feel unworthy. Don't feel unknown. To Christ, you are worthy. To Christ, you are known. In fact, before he created the entire world, he thought of you. The shepherds go off and give God glory and praise. Here's the take-home truth. God wants to use us to share the real story about Christ this Christmas. I'm concerned for our valley. I'm concerned that 
in our, within 15 minutes of this location, there's 215,000 people and 187,000 of them don't have a church home. 187,000. I'm from Little Rock. That's the size of my entire city back in Little Rock. 187,000 of them don't have a church home and don't know about the glory and the story of Christ in Christmas. And so the message is upon us. Would we share? Would we be a witness? Simply share what we've seen God do. I want to show you, I showed, uh, we went out and did some interviews of people in the valley. And I want to show you this, uh, this storyline of people that went out and sh- uh, did interviews of people uh, here in the valley. And when I showed this video, my son said, Dad, these people don't know who Jesus is. Check this out. honestly give like who I think he is I just think he's yes. you know someone you pray to if you want to ask for forgiveness if you want to live in a I'd say good place when you you know die or whatever okay I mean I believe in heaven and hell but I don't I don't know where I'm gonna go I don't know where you go who knows if there's actually something did he does he did he really exist what do you know about him I know a lot that I thought of him, but I don't think he exists. You don't think he exists? No. Why, why did you come to that conclusion? Because there wouldn't be so much trauma and so much wrong doing to right people in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, I just don't believe in him anymore. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Somewhat of a, a god. I don't know that it's Jesus or... Allah or Jah or you know anything okay. I, th- I believe in somewhat of a higher power but I don't want to nail it down to uh-huh. Jesus Christ uh-huh. so um, what what do you I mean as I grow older the more I look at it it's harder for me to believe some of the things that he was he was said to have done I mean everybody has different uh, versions of the Bible the things he's done differently. So in my opinion, no, Jesus wasn't God. He was sent here as man in the flesh to kind of experience what we do. I mean, not what we do, but to kind of take the pain for us. And so we would, I don't know, maybe it was more of like him like relating to, to us more. I don't know. Well, 87% of the valley is unchurched. They don't have a church home. Let's, this Christmas season, invite them home. Let's introduce them to the love of a good father. Let's take this opportunity to tell the real story of Christ and Christmas. And let's give hope. And the reason why you're here today is because somebody reached out to you. So I pray each year at Christmas, we continue to see more and more of our valley, at least the North Valley, amen? Come to understand who Jesus is. Find that forgiveness. Find that hope that they so desperately need and see Christ as Lord.
Greatest gift we could ever receive at Christmas time is cherishing Christ and sharing that with others. Would you stand and let me pray for us? And David's going to lead us out here this morning. We're going to sing glory to God in the highest. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus that at Harkins Theater, we can sing about the glory and the story of Jesus Christ this Christmas. Empower my friends, Lord, here today to share their faith, to simply share what you've seen God do and that we would give you glory and amplify your story. In Jesus' name, everybody. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.